While the dairy, tourism and wine industries have boomed in recent times, another sector has been quietly growing under the radar, and it's all happening in the air in pilot training. New Zealand is one of the most attractive countries for foreign students to learn to fly. Gareth Thomas reports. Inside cockpits of small aircraft like this one, trainee pilots learn about the complicated control panel of dials and switches in front of me. And the boom in pilot training in New Zealand has brought its own complications. Runways are busier, there's a strain on air traffic controllers, and some foreign students can't be understood. It's flying. It's flying, man. It's flying. The demand for pilots is being propelled by an increase in carriers around the world, such as India's Kingfisher Airlines, an offshoot of the famous Lager brand. Slick, funky commercials target a new generation of spending power. It's flying, people. It's flying, darling. And flying schools in New Zealand are benefiting from the aviation boom. This is our main maintenance facility and we're just looking at a squirrel helicopter which is one of our fleet. Uh, we have 32 helicopters in our overall helipro fleet and uh, also over here we have a BK-117. A big player in the aviation training market is HeliPro. In Palmerston North, business manager John Reed shows off two bright red helicopters. It's a brand and colour familiar to people in many parts of the country. With more than 100 students on HeliPro's books, about half of them from overseas, he explains the reason behind the boom. I think it's just worldwide growing demand, particularly from emerging nations, for people who earn more income, they're more likely to fly, there's, there's re increasing requirements uh, and growth uh, for airlines in places like India and China, and as a result of that they need more pilots. Have you, in your time in the industry, ever seen growth like it? Not for international flight training, definitely not, and I think New Zealand is becoming increasingly recognised as a place to come and do training. It's a muggy afternoon in the middle of Manawatu at a small airfield in Fielding. You can see things are laid back here. The strip is shared with scores of sheep who are munching the grass growing around the wheels of several small aircraft. Inside one of the hangars, 45 Indian students are being put through their paces. This is a Cessna 152. We open the door. And in here we have our twin controls, okay. So two Flight training Manawatu's chief flying instructor Jessica Neeson takes me on board one of their planes in fielding. This is a training ground that feeds the hungry airlines which are crying out for pilots. This is Santoshi and I'm from near Mumbai. Hi, I'm Hardik and from Mumbai. I'm Mohak Patwardhan from Mumbai too. These three students had never set foot in a cockpit before coming to train in New Zealand. And when they get their commercial pilot's licence, or CPL, they'll be on course to fly an Indian jetliner. For student Santoshi Marate, choosing New Zealand will fast-track her career. I guess one of the main reasons to come to New Zealand is the time. The duration it takes is very much less than what we usually would have in India because uh, we really don't have that very many flying schools in India. And generally, on an average, uh, if you want to do a CPL course, you would take something about probably two and a half years. And here, the maximum uh, amount of time you would take is probably a year. 
which is good and the cost it is cheaper to do it here as as compared to india because we have got the aviation fuel back home is really costly while the recent expansion of aviation around the globe has been a bonus for local flying schools it's causing growing pains for the rest of the industry good afternoon airways corporation it's judy speaking one area where the strain is showing is in air traffic control towers run by airways its chief executive is ashley smout we got very busy at times we've had to slow other traffic down our service to other users of the system has has, has been um, not as ideal as it could have been it means we got more training going on in the tower which puts um, more and more of a load on the existing controllers and ashley smout says the standard of english among some trainee pilots is frustrating my travels around the towers i've certainly heard comments from the controllers that at certain times it's been difficult to understand what's going on or they have to read back things more than once which slows things down a bit i think it's more of a a nuisance factor at the moment rather than a you know major issue but certainly uh it's something that we need to keep an eye on if it's going to become more and more a feature of the landscape because it is going to make communication between the tower and the and the pilot more of a challenge and students Mohak Patwadan and Hardik Ganatra no communication is a sticking point what i feel is when a student come from overseas to any of these countries to learn or to get a cpl that that's license um he should have at least a basic understanding and an ability to speak at least proper english uh you may not say in that particular accent but at least he should sound grammatically correct that's the main thing what a person would want another person to speak as you know so in this case yes i mean this is the basic barrier where i feel that atc and the pilot might be facing is that the same for you hardy uh, yeah that i would say that uh, that thing is the same thing and uh, see all the countries are just trying to have a basic uh, english language as a basic understandable language so they are uh, training their pilots who whoever comes for the pilot training they have to be uh, they can they can speak or read english or such such thing they can understand basic english that's the main thing the pilots who are entertaining the institutions are using that thing they can understand and speak english air traffic controllers weren't available to be interviewed for this program but documents seen by radio new zealand reveal some of the issues which controllers are having to cope with many of the difficulties involve english language especially with overseas students talking too fast In one area it can take us five attempts to pass information over the radio and get confirmation from the trainee pilots and there's only a 50% chance they'll follow the instructions. We're also seeing a jump in the number of trainee pilots getting lost and some are with instructors. Students create mayhem if they stray out of familiar airspace. Poor communication isn't just a local problem or even restricted to trainee level. Listen to this fraught exchange between an air traffic controller at JFK Airport in New York and an Air China captain. Air China 981, have they cleared you into the ramp? Roger, I'm to the ramp Air China 981. Okay, they have cleared you into the ramp. Air China 981, ground. Air China 981, Kennedy ground. Have you been cleared into the ramp? Okay, cleared for the ramp. Now that was a question. Have the ramp people cleared you into the gate? Roger, to the gate Air China 981. I'll try it again. It's a question. Hold your position. This is a question. Sorry, interrogative. Have you been cleared into your gate? Okay, well, hold hold here. Okay, how about the question? Have they cleared you into the gate? Yeah, tower uh Grand Air Channel 981 uh, we are uh, 
Uh, number three is open. We are taxi to the number. Air China, 981, taxi to the ramp. There's no rule on how good the English of student pilots has to be before they start training here. Instead, they face English language tests at their aviation school. At HeliPro, John Reid says the problem isn't really about pilots not speaking Queen's English. It's mainly due to accent as opposed to language difficulties. And I think it's something that's all very well for the industry to be uh, criticising it. I think it's, it's a concern and something that we need to work together uh, to resolve, and I'm sure, and I've seen at the moment, all parties getting together to work towards uh, a solution. To make sure we don't go into a danger area or create risk, what can you do as a training school? Well, I think uh, we, we ensure that we do our ground schools to a high standard, that we vet our students before they even get here. So what sort of students are you turning away? Oh, I think you, when everyone express, anyone comes to you to, to look to flight train, you have to look at why they want to do it. Uh, what their background is, what they want to use their licence for, how enthusiastic they are, do they have a realistic expectation of what uh, being a pilot's all about. Are you turning any away that just don't quite make the grade? Um, yes, so certainly if there's a, a language issue then we would not select that student. Oh, well not unless they uh, were prepared to, d to attend an English language school for a period of time and then they have to meet a certain language requirement. And you've had to do that in some instances? Uh, yes we have. On the Batoni foreshore in Lower Hutt you'll see planes coming and going from Wellington Airport. Based here is the Civil Aviation Authority, the aviation policeman if you like, and overseeing pilot licences is John McKinley. The English language problem is something he says the CAA is dealing with. The issue that we identified in the particular growth of flight training were those uh, pilots who were post-solo, so they were going on their first solo flights, uh, but pre-licence issue. And uh, we had reports that uh, some of the uh, the English wasn't up to the standard we would expect. So that's the uh, the gap we're, uh, we're looking at to, to plug in this particular case. One flight school says the level of English proficiency among trainee pilots should be established before they sign up for a course. Ian Calvert at CTC Aviation Training in Hamilton says there are no language problems at his school, but it's an issue his students encounter. We don't experience them here so much, although the odd Scottish or Irish person can be a bit hard to, to listen to at times. Um, but no, we, we, haven't ex we haven't experienced it from within the organisation, we have experienced it from others out there in, on using the same airspace as us, and we're very conscious of it, and particularly in bringing uh, Vietnamese uh, trainees here. Our view is that the Aviation English test, um, which is currently held just before the issue of the private licence, is, is way too late within the syllabus, within the training programme, and it should be either conducted, uh, in our view, either before they start training, or at the very least by the time uh, they're ready to go solo in an aircraft. But the Civil Aviation Authority's John McKinley is taking a 360-degree view, asking what the training schools can do for the students. I think it's very important when we have folk from overseas that we don't assume that uh, their culture is the same as our culture and we need to adapt our uh, teaching style uh, to their uh, learning style and uh, to uh, ensure that uh, we meet their needs and uh, they also uh, meet our needs in terms of uh, meeting our, our standards. So it requires education on the part of the training providers and the flight instructors so we provide in New Zealand the best service we can. Irene King from the Aviation Industry Association takes a similar stance. 
The issue for the controllers is that they have to learn how to communicate with pilots whose language is not English. And for them that's quite challenging because they generally will be communicating with pilots who are very proficient in English. But for foreign students it's really quite challenging pronouncing Māori names and so they may identify a place and they think it's one place and they actually get the name quite wrong. I guess New Zealand pilots, if they were training in Wales, would have a lot of problems pronouncing Welsh names as well. The CTC school wants to assess students' capability of speaking English before they're taken on for training, and I wanted to find out more about how CTC operates. It's a hot day in Hamilton, and the city's airport is buzzing with dozens of shiny small training aircraft. Off to one side of the runway is home to one of the country's biggest and newest pilot schools. The bustle of planes reminds me of the busy wartime airfields you see in movies like the Battle of Britain. In three years, CTC Aviation Training has spent millions on flash facilities to train pilots from home and overseas. Big-name carriers like Air New Zealand shop here for pilots, as do low-cost airlines like Britain's EasyJet. John Jones is CTC's chief executive in New Zealand. We take pilots from nothing, no experience, right through to the right-hand seat of their various airliners, uh, Airbus or Boeing aircraft, and so far we selected our 600th cadet here and from the UK and all that have uh, completed the course have made the uh, transition to the right-hand seat of their airliner. 170 students reaching for the skies in Hamilton are from the UK, but there's also a 30-strong contingent from New Zealand. Different nationalities, but Manu Barrett from Hamilton and Chris Davey from England share the same dream. It's been a very high success rate so far with the New Zealand cadets that have left have got into Eagle Air or Air New Zealand. Basically that's the medium term goal is to get into uh, Eagle Air as a first officer. And how about you Chris? Well obviously CTC UK um, have worked with a lot of UK partner airlines um, so my goal is to get into one of the partner airlines. Um, sort of interested in, in EasyJet or perhaps one of the charter airlines at Thomas Cook, um, which will give you the chance to perhaps experience different aircraft and fly a little bit further, sort of Africa, Caribbean, that type of thing. Uh, but ultimately the goal is, is to get my command and, uh, and be a captain one day. In the smart offices of CTC, Chief Operating Officer Ian Calvert studies the competition and believes some training schools have been treating the demand for pilots like a gold rush. The prospects of training, you know, 70,000 pilots around the world and, you know, the, the desperate need um, has seen a, a blossoming of all sorts of training organisations and, and a lot, I believe, overstepping their abilities and capabilities, trying to grab the, the dollars and the money because it's never been quite like that in flight training. It's always been the, the poor cousin of aviation compared to actually flying the jets and things. Have any of the New Zealand training schools been punching above their weight? I, I think we do tend to punch a little bit above our weight but we've got the capability of doing it. Um, not all schools can and I think in some places, particularly in Australia and America, we've seen um, they simply can't and it's been quite simply a, a get them through the door and get the money out the other end uh, as quickly as possible. 
It's not just language or speech standards proving to be a headache for air traffic controllers. More training planes on the runways means more communication with control towers, and that's ramped up the workload. Airways CEO Ashley Smout says the rapid growth in pilot training has surprised them, specifically in Tauranga and Hamilton. It takes approximately 18 months to get a controller into position, to get them trained and, and rated. So it's not something we can achieve overnight. And one of the concerns we've had is that we're involved uh, early in the process to understand what the loads are going to be, what the timing is, and to negotiate with the training organisations how we can ensure that we're ready for them. So are the training schools giving you enough advance warning of their numbers? Well, I think, I think no, in a word. I think that we need to... Um, we need to sit down with them and plan ahead for what's you know what's coming down the what, what's coming down what, what's coming towards us if you like um, and I accept that you know we are there to provide a service and we should be able to respond and we will respond but it's really a question of how long it takes us to make that happen but CTC in Hamilton now one of the biggest and busiest flight training schools says its development didn't come out of the blue its CEO John Jones well, CDC indicated it was coming here for a long time and there was a lot of preparation put into what was happening here, so I suspect um, they should have known. But if you look at what happens at the busiest airport in the country, at Ardmore, probably handles more than double the number of movements Hamilton does and there is no control tower in there at all. There used to be a control tower in there, but it's no longer in there and the place runs very, very well. Another question is whether the rapid rise in the number of foreign students is putting a squeeze on training places for New Zealanders. Irene King of the Aviation Industry Association has been on the receiving end of grumbles. Their basic complaint is for the training schools to survive. They know that they have to take on foreign students and the New Zealand students feel that the foreign students... Um, get the benefit of the best instructors and the most experienced instructors and probably the higher quality assets and generally get preferential treatment over the New Zealand student. Whether that's in fact true, um, you know, perception is everything. Are there enough training places for Kiwis? Um, th- that's a really interesting question. At the moment we... Uh, capped to 600, which effectively means that each year we graduate somewhere between two and 230 pilots. What we know is to sustain the business in the medium to long term, we need to be graduating about 300. And at the training school in Hamilton, Ian Calvert suspects there could be something in the local students' complaints. At the end of the day, the reason there are more foreign pilots being trained is that they they're economic to train. Uh, in New Zealand, the, under the, the government scheme, it is very difficult. Not impossible, just difficult, and you have to run a very efficient operation to do so, to make it pay. So therefore, the natural tendency is to, is to get someone else in. And I'm not sure whether, or whether the infrastructure being used for foreign pilot training is the problem, or whether or not is, in fact, individual organisations focusing their attention on getting the foreign pilots through because that's where the income comes from. 
and we've got to be very careful of it here, you know, with our New Zealand cadets, that we, we don't push them to the back. We've, we've got to bring them to the front. New Zealand schools are happy to open their doors to overseas aviation students. And yes, the country has a good reputation, dramatic weather patterns and uncluttered skies, perfect for the trainee pilot. But while a passion for flying is one thing, it's all about the bottom line. The Aviation Industry Association's Irene King says flying schools are looking for business abroad out of necessity. They're being forced to take on more and more foreign pilots merely in terms of business survival. They, they can't survive on New Zealand rates which are frozen at 2001 levels. So they've got to be able to supplement their business income. And uh, most schools now are using that strategy for survival purposes. Being allowed to increase course fees to cover rising costs is an issue that's being taken up with a new government, and the industry is hoping for a response from the Minister for Tertiary Education. The economic downturn is hurting airlines. Fewer business customers are travelling, carriers have cut routes, some big jets are grounded and fuel costs have been crippling. Some airlines have collapsed. So what do the hard times mean for pilot training? The schools I've visited told me pilot training ventures aren't fly-by-night and they'll continue to train pilots for the aviation upturn. The chief executive at CTC, John Jones, says the only way is up for his pilot training business. We've got plans to basically double our numbers. Uh, that will take a wee while, particularly at the moment with the airline issues that they have. But there's no reason why we can't double our business here. But it's got to be done professionally. No shortcuts. And those coping with the consequences of growth say the sector will expand. Ashley Smout from the air traffic control company Airways. I'd like to think that it is sustainable and that we can grow it. We have an ideal country for it in terms of topography. We've got a great uh, regulatory regime. We've got good pastoral care. And, you know, we're a nation of aviators. I mean, we're the seventh, I think, by per capita, we're the seventh largest in the world in terms of, um, of aircraft movement. So we've got a natural affinity for the industry and I think you know it'd be great if we can continue to grow it however having said that you know we need to do that in a way that's sustainable and uh, you know I think we're going to need to learn from the lessons of the past when we look at you know increasing the scale of the operation in New Zealand but we have aspirations to continue to increase it. While the global economic slowdown is tempering the immediate demand for pilots talk to anyone in the industry and they'll say that's a good thing for now after an almost trebling in student pilot numbers in three years, it's time to look at the speed of growth, according to John McKinley at the Civil Aviation Authority. From my perspective, the key one is managing growth. When any business is growing in aviation, it's a key issue that you don't grow too quickly. You manage your resources and to deploy those resources appropriately so there's no safety issues that are overlooked. And Ian Calvert of the Hamilton Flying School sees a split developing in the industry in the future, with commercial training schools on one side and the local aero clubs on the other. I believe, personally, that they will do better because they will focus on the things they can do well, the, the club-type flying, the private licence flying, the different aircraft types that are available, the lighter aircraft types, uh, and refocus maybe uh, a little bit the way the industry used to be with um, that 
whole club experience thing, which has sort of drifted away from a lot of area clubs as they've tried to get into that commercially viable make money scheme, uh, program programs that they've uh, needed to to support club activity. The aviation industry's plans to take stock, improve quality and iron out problems is something the whole sector wants to see. And in the meantime, there are no signs of a tail-off. Air New Zealand has plans to set up an aviation academy to train up to 300 pilots and engineers to fill its own cockpits and supply other airlines in the Asia-Pacific region. And so despite the risks and issues that foreign pilot training brings, the business is set to continue soaring. That programme was written and presented by Gareth Thomas. Technical production was by Nick Shave and the producer was Sue Ingram.